0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Work Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Lord,
1: you're so good. As your mercy endures forever. We thank you for the things we've heard already. And Lord, we thank you for your presence today. We believe that everyone here will leave different and changed because you're here. We thank you for your glory. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for tender hearts, Lord. Teachable spirits. People that are open. If you just speak to them, change them, use them, Lord. That's what we want. And Father, I thank you for using me today to say the right words in the right way to convey exactly what you want to our hearts. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Does anybody need an outline? If you need an outline, hold up your hand. Hold up your hand if you need an outline. And uh, I just want to say this if you came for a religious service this morning, you missed it. You're at the wrong place. <laughs> we're, not, we're not going to have much of religion. Amen. Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is saved yesterday, and forever. Amen. He speaks to you where you are. Have you ever heard the story of the Bible where Jesus talked to that lady that had been married five times, wasn't answers, and Jesus told her to say, I know who you are. He said, I know what you've been through. He said, I'm here to help you today. He said, I know your past. And you know, he could have even said, I even know your future better than you know your past. And so God knows your future better than your past And there's a lot of things about your past that you need to forget. I want to say that again. There's a lot of things about your past that you need to forget. Because you can't go to your future if you're held back by your past. How many here are born again Christians? You've asked Jesus into your heart. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're a new creature in Christ then. Old things are past." Old things are past. They're passed away. They're behind you. Jesus said, "Let the dead bury the dead." So let your past be buried instead. It'll hold you back. That's from God for somebody. That wasn't any notes or anything like that. It just came out when I started talking. But God wants you to know He has a great plan for your future. And there's some things we're going to see today that I that I pray that God will talk to you so you can go up your plan. He specifically told me today three things he wants to accomplish in this service that he wants me to get across, so I'll do my best with his help to get it across. He wants you to know the future of this church right here. And to know the future, we have to look at the past them for the good part. And so he told me three things to hit today. So that's what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to look at how this church started. We're going to look at where the church was. We're going to look at where the church is. And we're going to look at where the church is going. Amen. Amen. God's got a plan. And God's got a purpose. And he said the future is bright. The future is bright. So I choose to agree with him. What you open up your Bible to Psalms 127, verse 1. Psalms 127, verse 1. And this verse says so much. For life, and we're looking at concerning our church, but also this could be this could be your life for things in your life. It could be for your marriage, it could be for your job, it could be for your business. Whatever it is you're doing, if it's not God's plan and God's purpose for your life, then you're on the wrong road. You need to change. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Psalms one twenty seven one says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. They labor in vain that build it. When we pioneered our first church in November of 1992, the Lord gave me this verse. And when He gave me this verse, I knew that as new pastors, raising up a brand new work for what God wanted in Martinsville, Indiana, that... Uh, Oh, I I don't want to get on too many bunny trails. But I just throw this out there to help you. When God gives you something to do, you will have a whole lot of religious people show up to tell you why you can't do it. Why it doesn't work. How many people failed trying it before? But God told me right here that when God wants to build something, if you're following what He's got to build, you won't be laboring in vain. And so we showed up in Martinsville, Indiana, back in about 1989. God moved us down there. And then, in, I didn't know he was going to be starting a church through us, but he started a church through us. And so in 1992, November 1st, 1992, we pioneered a church in the YMCA in Martinsville. And it's amazing. As I begin to meet preachers, I would say 99.9% of the preachers I met told me why people like me tried to start churches in their town and why they failed. Every goofball preacher there ever was hit that town met me. They all told me why it wouldn't work. A church like ours, why it wouldn't work. A church like ours there is a church like this here because the same God in me that started back there is the same God in me that's working here. Is it working here? Yes. Are your lives being changed? Yes. Has anybody been healed through this ministry? Yes. Has there been any marriages restored through this ministry? Yes. Has anybody here ever gotten pregnant that couldn't get pregnant that was married to this ministry? <laughs> we've, had, we've laid hands on people. I think about Chuck and Heidi the miracles of their family. That all the different things that God wanted to do in the families here, the Word of God works. When you've got somebody that lives, the Word teaches the Word. So you know, what I'm saying is this. Our labor is not in vain when we follow God's plan and God's purpose. So anyway, uh, we saw a lot of preachers back there coming go, but guess what? Our stood. Did all God wanted to do because we were following the plan of God. And so I you know, I just said, that's a buddy trouble, somebody, that you may be doing something right now that God put your heart to do. Don't pay any attention to the skeptics. With the with the doomsayers and the negative people show up and tell you what you can't do you think of the turtle on the fence post. That's another lesson you have to buy that tape. <laughs> what's, what's the turtle on the fence post? If you ever walking through the field and you see a turtle on top of fence post, guess what? It didn't get there by itself. Somebody helped it. If things God calls you to do, when God calls you to do something and you're following Him, you follow God God will put you up on the fence, post where you couldn't have got there. And people look at you and say, wow, God must have been there because look where they are now. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. And so, and so, I'm not going to labor in vain in my life and things that God wants me to do. How about you? I said, how about you? Amen. Hey, man, we're going to follow the plan. So anyway, for a church to fulfill God's plan and purposes, the pastor must seek God to get God's plan for that particular church. The pastor is the one that God's got to talk to for the plan for the church. And then another thing I found out: when you partner a new church, you don't have a hundred people show up to tell you what you're supposed to do. Man, I cannot believe all the things that they told us our church was supposed to do. And so, because I didn't know yet how to be a bold pastor and really do what God wanted me to do. I tried a lot of things they told me our church was supposed to do. Guess what? It, it ends up with that word right there, vain. The <laughs> labor's in vain. I'll never forget that told it's supposed to have a clothing ministry. Man, everybody that had every piece of rattered, tattered clothing you could find showed up at our church. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Had this great big room we could have used for children, child was full of dirty clothes. And tore up clothes. And finally one day I come in and I thought, Man, what's going on here? That's supposed to be filled up with kids. That's everybody's throwaway clothes in there. are supposed to have a clothing ministry. Think about it. Even the poor people didn't want those dirty clothes. But everybody told me are supposed to have the clothing ministry. And they're supposed to have a marching ministry. They're supposed to protest about abortion and everything else. We come to find out after a while, I'm going to find out what God wants to do with His church. What's He want to do? And so, since I've been at this church here, you would not believe in the last 13 years how many people have shown up here for three or four weeks and told me, Pastor, if you just changed this, I would come. And then you know what I think? Really, I'd rather you not come. And so, I've learned to tell people over the years, oh, I've got to get to my notes, I've got such awesome stuff there. I have learned, as the guy that answers for what God wants to do in this church, as the head wants to stand before him and be judged for what this church did, I have learned to tell people, well, if you want that kind of a ministry, they got one down here at this such and such a street in Barstow. That's what they do. That's where you belong. That's what you want. That's what they do. Well, I'll tell you what, right over, right over here at Daggett, they got one that does that. Matter of fact, down here at Limwood, they got a church that does that. You're probably at the wrong church because that's what they do. So instead of trying to change me, change your location. Amen. Hey, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Hey, Amen. Amen. And so the pastor's got to seek God, find out God's plan and purpose. And so what I want to do, I just want to give a really brief history of this church here, High Desert that Center, 1970 to 2005. And a man named Pastor Bill Long and his wife, Betty, and that, that was him who visited our church, what, like two or three years ago? Two or three years we got to visit here. Well, actually, Pastor Bill Long's the one that pioneered this church in a chicken coop in Newberry Springs. And if I will, without embarrassing the coping, just a little history of the church. Just a joke, can you hold your hands up for something? This couple right here was married by Pastor Bill Long in the chicken coop at Newberry Springs. Oh, Amen. Of course, they didn't have chickens in it then. They had it fixed up and all fixed up. But this church, way back about 1970, they were married there in 1975. This church has a history. Because God's in this church. This is God's plan and God's purpose. God wants this church right here. In the high desert, God does. It says, Except the Lord built the house, the labor vain the building. So God's had his hand on this church for a long time. Uh, Pastor Long bought all this property, just little bits and pieces at a time. And uh, he started off in the from, from, from Newberry Springs, he ended up in Victory Hall over here. And in Victory Hall... He told me he grew by the end of the 70s, where he was running 600 people on Sunday morning over Victory Hall. Two services on Sunday morning, 300 people each service. Amen. God was there. God's here. This church is God's plan. And so it grew to 600 people, those two services. He purchased all this property, and he had the plans for this building. But he never got to build this building. He built one like this out of Newberry Springs. He never got to build this one. And so, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says that the gifts... Well, I'll give you some verses. You might as well write them down. that will help you later on for your life. It says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means that when God has a call on a person or ministry, God doesn't change His plan. But God calls you, whether you live and die and never fulfill or not, the call never leaves. It's always there. God's call is for this church to be in Barstow, California, in the high desert. It's God's call. That's why 50 years later, the church is still here. Pastor Long personally told me that back in those days, as a young pastor that didn't know what he knows now, and just like me, I know a lot more than I knew 50 years ago too. As a young pastor didn't know what he knew, he told me personally his words, I let the devil steal my church. He told me that. He said, men, men that thought they were God-possessed were demon-possessed. They were influenced by demons, and I let them run me out of this church. And he asked me. He said, "Pastor, if there's any way you'd let me have that church now, I'd buy it back. Anything I can do get it back, I'd love to have that church back." He said, "Because I see now, if I knew if I knew then what I do now, I'd still be pastor of that church right there on Soap Mine Road. I let the devil run me out of that church, but he'd never do it again." You know what? This church is still here That's right. because this church is God's plan. I want you to get a hold of where you're at. You're not just, you're not just some little store, storefront operation, some little independent, non-denominational thing that's just a good idea. This is a God plan for the end times in the earth to have an influence around the world from this church. And so anyway, uh, when God has a plan for a church, it doesn't make any difference what the devil tries to do. The plan of God's going to stand. Amen. Somebody shout again. I want you to get a hold of this. And so anyway... The common denominator all these years is God never left because it's his plan. Over the years, there's been two or three other pastors here before myself that came here. They're gone, but God never left. The church is still here. It's his plan. And so uh, over the years, 50 years later, since I've been here even, I've seen so many men and so many women show up here at the famous buzzwords, God sent me here. Was he schizophrenic or not, you goofball, why'd you leave then? All I can say this, if you want to be blessed, if God tells you to do something when the going gets tough, don't bail out. Amen. Amen. Be like the copies, man, getting married to the chicken coop and then sticking out. (laughs) Amen. No, I'm telling you, God is in this church. And this church, I I, I think I can safely say out of 13 years I've been here, if everybody was here now that's visited me and hooked up for a season for two or three years or four years or a year or two and told me, oh, God, put me here. Oh, glory, God's here. Oh, glory, God, pastor, I'm behind you. I'm uh, looking back, there's far far behind now, I can't even see them. We'd, we'd, we'd have a thousand people here right now. If all the people that God sent her since I've been here were here, we'd have a thousand people. This church would have so much influence in this region if all the people that God sent had enough backbone to say, I'm going to stick it out. God sent me, people's not going to run me out, I'm not going to get offended about who's sitting in my seat. I'm not going to get offended if I sing in the choir or not. I'm not going to get offended if I get to preach. I'm not going to get offended if I get to teach Sunday school. I'm not going to get offended about anything. God sent me here, and I'm going to be at this church until I die and go to heaven, until the rapture takes place, because God sent me here. This is God's plan. My roots are here. My life's here. My family's here. We've been changed, and I'm not going back. Amen. 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 And so I want to say it again. Out of these 50-plus years... I've known several of the people over the years that helped build this church. I'm talking about build it spiritually and they do the natural things. There's been a lot of wonderful, wonderful people in the last 50 years to help this church do the things it's done. And some of them are in heaven, some of them are in other churches, some of them are doing different things in life, but there's been a lot of people come and go help this church get to where it is. But I want to say it again. The common denominator is God never left the church. God stayed here all the time. And you know... Uh, I've, I've got a thing I kind of live by for me. How many know who Brother Hagin is? I talk about him a lot. have a lot of books in his bookstore. He's influenced me a lot. But Brother Hagin, back before uh, teaching faith and healing was popular, back in the 50s, he taught that it's the will of God to heal everybody that wants healed. It's the will of God. And the religious preachers that didn't base their ministries upon the Word of God, but upon their experiences. And so because they prayed for people that never received healing, or people that died when they prayed for them, Brother Hagin always preached, he's preaching the word of God. Jesus said, he took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He said, lay hands the sick, they shall recover, etc., etc. And so Brother Hagin taught that strong faith message, God wants you healed. And so these preachers say, but Brother Hagin, they don't all get healed. He said, I can't help that, that's the will of God. Billy Graham preached to a lot of people. Guess what? They didn't all get saved. They didn't change the will of God. God wanted them saved. They didn't respond. So Brother Hagin taught that healing's for everybody. I teach it for everybody. Anyway, they said to him, said, Brother Hagin, what do you do if you pray for somebody and they die? He said, if i got a healing line up here, and 99 people come through, and I say, be healed, and they drop over dead, I'm going to say, next... doesn't change the will of God. And so that's what I've said about this church. If I have 99 people show up and say, God sent me here. I'm going to help this church. I'm going to help grow this church. I'm going to serve in this church. This is my church. And they leave. I'm going to say, next. Amen. Because I'm not going to leave. That's right. God's not going to leave. And I'm going to answer to Him someday. And so I'm going to stick with Him. And everybody he sends me that wants to help the plan of God, I'm going to help do it. Amen. Amen. I want to i would do a better preacher than you are shouting. Man, somebody hook up with this. And so anyway, there, there, there's Pastor Long. And so 50 years ago, he got this started. The church is still here because we are not laboring in vain, except the Lord build the house. The Lord is building High Desert Word Center. The Lord's the one. And you know, I look out here. We, we still have a lot of faces in here this morning that've been here. Some people been here 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. There's been a lot of people been here for a long time. They stuck it out. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Been a lot of people stuck it out for a long time. But you know something else? I recall that Jesus said. Do you remember Jesus told that one parable? And he said, there's a man hired hard laborers for the day. And he says, the same wages. So said, if they start working at 7 o'clock in the morning, they get the same pay as the one starting at 11 o'clock at night. And so it doesn't make any difference where you are in the time frame. If God sends you to this church, or, you know, if you're a visitor, you've got some other church God sent you to, wherever it is, it doesn't make any difference if you just hooked up, or if you've been hooked up for a long time, you stand in front of Jesus, you're going to get the same reward. Just do what God told you to do, Amen, Amen. And so I want to say again, uh, Psalms 127:1 says, "Except the Lord built the house, the labor in vain that built it." God's plan and purpose for this church is bright. The future's bright. And so I want to look a little bit now at at some of the history of, of this family right here. In May, June, May or June of 2005, around that time period, the Lord. Had Mrs. Pastor and I seeking him about a new assignment in our pastoring. We knew back in Indiana. We knew back in Indiana that God had something else for us to do, and so we began to seek Him about what to do. And our, we were part of we're 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 part of an AFC, AFC that's called Association of Faith Churches and Ministries ministry, license ordained through them back then under Dr. Barclay Dow, but still AFCM and. They told us there was a church in California that was looking for a pastor. that was an AFCM church. And so we began to seek God about it, started talking to the people out here at the church at the time. And over the period of time, we determined in our hearts God wanted us to come here. And so then we had a flashback of the Beverly Hillbillies. You ever watch the Beverly Hillbillies? You know, I just, I just kind of had a tune going through my head. Said, California's the place you ought to be. <laughs> So we loaded up loaded up the Pinsky and we moved to Barstow. <laughs>
0: Anybody
1: ever hear that song? <laughs> Amen. So God told us this verse, so of course that's our that's our youngest son Joe. And so we loaded up the Pinsky. That's one of our, our stops all the way out here. So we so we came to California and I want to say this again. Psalms one twenty seven one says, That the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so we've been here almost 13 years, made this move in 2005. And so I just say this again, that God's plan for High Desert Word Center will come to pass. He doesn't have to find another pastor. I'm here. Amen. He doesn't have to look anymore. He doesn't have to say next. I'm here. And we're going to be here until Jesus comes back. And so, and so I'm hooked up. I want to say this. If you're high, there's a word that are part of our team, part of our family. I want to ask you a question. I'm hooked up. How about you? Yeah. Hey, Matt, are you hooked up? Yeah. Give the Lord a hand. Yeah. And so, then, that's a little bit about where we've been to looking at where we are. But to look at where we are, you've got to know more about me. So, I want to show you how Jesus taught me to pastor his pe- people, how Jesus taught me. To pastor his people, look at First Peter chapter two. How Jesus taught me personally to pastor his people. And you know, I, I want to say, I want to say this: the kind, the kind of kind of preacher I am, the kind of pastor I am, I don't get any sermons off the internet. I've never got a sermon out of a book. I answer to Jesus, and so I go straight to Jesus, and I find out, Jesus, what do you want to say to these people? I've prayed the same way for all my ministry life. I said, Jesus, you told us the Father knows the number of every hair on our head, knows when we lay down, when we get up, knows all about us, and so I always pray, I say, Lord, I ask you to look into that service that's coming up. Who's going to be there, Lord. Because I tell you what, there's been so many times I thought I knew who was going to be there and they wasn't there. And then so many times when I was shocked, who did show up? And so that's why I always pray, Lord, you know who's going to be there. And then I pray I pray things like this say, Lord, give me the answers for what they're asking you about their life. Give me the answers for questions they have, Lord. And Lord, I, I, pray, I pray this, I say, Lord, if they don't even know the questions yet, put the questions in their heart. And, you know, I, I, I just ask this, how many here, how many here have ever heard a sermon preached in this church where you felt God was talking right to you? Amen. Amen. I can't tell you how many times at the door of this church, people shake my hand and they say, Pastor, I can't believe it. Every question I had just got answered today. I don't know of anybody else, but you were talking right to me. And then sometimes people say, did my wife talk to you? (laughs) And I say, no, your wife never talked to me. And they say, well, that's exactly what's going on in my life, what you said today. Glory to God. You know why? Because I didn't go to Google for the sermon. I went to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And so He helps people. So anyway, how, how God taught me to pastor. and so the first, 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 Peter chapter two, verse five through eight says this: "You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house." What well, that was? What Psalms one twenty-seven says, "Except the Lord build the house, Amen." He calls us His spiritual house. It says, as a spiritual house, lively stones in the house. And so, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accessible to God by Jesus Christ. Where also is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. That's talking about Jesus Christ. He's the foundation that all the foundation joins, hooks up to, to build the church. Jesus Christ, a chief cornerstone, elect precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Is that true? Is Jesus precious to you? He's not precious to most of the world. Matter of fact, they try to take his name out of everything they can. But the Bible says his name is above every name. If you ask the Father anything in His name, the Father will do it. The world tries to stuff out that name, that name's precious to us. He's precious. But to them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same has made the head of the corner. Jesus is the main foundation block for every ministry that's going to work for God. If it doesn't revolve around Jesus... You're labored in vain. It all has to come back to Jesus. Has to radiate out of Jesus. Has to be about Jesus. He has to be lifted up. He needs to be at everything you're doing. Every prayer you're praying. Every Sunday school class. Every praise service. Every offering. Jesus has to be glorified at all that we do. His word has to be lifted up. That's what It says, He's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which, look at this, for the ministry God's called me to, this is very crucial, them which stumble at the word being disobedient. There are religious people that go to church or stumble at the word. That means they'd rather believe anything except the word of God. The problem goes on in their life. Instead of running to their Bible, they run to Google. They need healed. Instead of calling for, call for the elders of the church, they want a thousand likes on Facebook. Getting real quiet in the church. Amen. Amen. And so it says that they stumble at the word, whereunto also they were appointed. And so I'm teaching you how God taught me to pastor the church. Listen closely If this is your church and I'm your pastor, you need to know me. You need to know my heart. You need to know this church. And so as a baby pastor, I knew that Jesus Christ had to be the chief cornerstone. I knew that everything I did as a pastor had to be clearly established in the Word of God. I knew that. Had to be clearly established in the Word of God. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how tender hearted, as serious I was not to displease Jesus of this church, I had an older woman come to my church. She was, they were in their 70s, uh, Barbara Franklin Lewis in Indiana. And, and as a baby pastor, I'd been to Bible school. But, you know, it's one thing to go to school. It's another thing to be out here where it's at. You know, that's like truck driver's school. I drove trucks for a lot of years. It's one thing to sit in a classroom, watch a video about 18 wheelers. another thing to be out there driving one. Hey, man, you know, somebody I watched the video, I can drive one. Yeah, he's run into some of those nuts. all <laughs> about, that. stay away from that. And so, it's one thing to go to Bible school, it's another thing to walk with Jesus and hear Him to be a preacher. That leads God's people. One thing to have a piece of paper, it's another thing to be a spiritual leader. There's a big difference between being a spiritual leader and have having a piece of paper on your wall. And so, I remember Barbara Lewis. She came up to me and said, When are we going to have communion? I didn't have enough confidence yet to do communion right, so I didn't do it. And so every few weeks, Mrs. Lewis been around for a long time, used to be in the Oil Robbers Tent Crusades and all that. She's been around for a long time, born in the early 1900s. I remember one day, Mrs. Lewis said, She was right, except I wanted to make sure I knew from God's Word in my heart what I was doing was right. I'd been in communion service a lot of time because i had been a Christian for a while. And so I knew communion was right. I knew it was Bible. But I didn't want to displease the Father how I presented communion when I led people in communion. So one day she came out to me and she said this, and it shook me in my spiritual boots. She said, Are you ever going to do communion or have to find another church? As she said that, I said, Oh. <laughs> so you know what I did? I spent the next several weeks myself reading the Bible from cover to cover. I went back to the book of Exodus found out where communion started at the Passover. I went out on the book of Revelation at the Last Supper and I found out they're all the same thing, all connected together. And by the time that I led my people in communion, I myself knew what it was. I understood it. I presented it right. I led people in to where I could do it because I found out from the Bible how God taught me from His Word. So I had my foundation hooked up to the chief cornerstone, because he's the one it's all about, so I did it. And everything I've done as a pastor all these years, I've never done anything that I know of that was outside the Word of God of what I've done. I've never done anything because that's what churches do. I never baptized people because that's what churches do. I made sure I understood what water baptism was before I baptized anybody. I made sure I knew what a wedding was before I married anybody. I followed God because He says right here that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone and God's the one building the house. And so if the cornerstone's Jesus, it's got to connect to Jesus. If it's not in line with the Word of God, it's not going to stick. Amen. 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 Somebody give the Lord a praise or something. You can't go to sleep. And so everything... We do, if the Lord's going to be in us, our labor's not in vain, must securely be established in line with His holy written Word. His holy written Word. As so we look at First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. And somebody thinking, well, I've never heard anything like this before while well, I've been with Jesus. And when you read the Bible, people talk about Jesus. They said, He's not like the scribes or the Pharisees, that His words with authority, His words with power, said, did His very words pierce our hearts? Well, when the Holy Spirit's in it, your heart will be pierced. God will talk to you. God will convict you of things. God will put things in your heart. But you know, I just want to say this again. This church has been here about 50 years. I'll guarantee you there's been some good on fire pastors had this church. Pastor Long, I know, and lots of other people. How many people would be in this church if they stuck with the plan? 10,000 people by now in 50 years? Would this church take up half a barstool and have a campus as big as a college if they stuck with it? You know, let's be at least as far as a postage stamp. Man, they put you on, stick with it. <laughs> okay, First 1 Corinthians 12.18 I'm talking about how Jesus taught me to pastor his people it says this But now hath God set the members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased them Please who? Who does it say right here Sends people to the church chosen by God. God's the one that knows where you belong. God's the one that chooses where he wants you to go. I'm thinking about, I remember one time, Mrs. Pastor and I were at the same church of our Christian life pretty much until God started us pastoring. uh, The closest we ever lived to our church, and this was Indiana, not California. Closest we ever lived to our church was 40 miles away. 40 miles. We stuck with it because God put it in that church. I remember one time there some people come and visit the church, and we had a place called, it was a big church. We was, were was, we was members of the church, but we was part of the uh, greeting people team. They had a great big room, and we had about 500 people come on a Sunday morning. And when visitors would come, they called it the first-timers' room as so though they'd have little treats, coffee, punch, donuts, and treats around. And they had some of the leaders, the church people, the church would greet people's hands. At the end of the service, the pastor would say, well, if you were here for the first time today, follow this usher back here. We've got some people who want to talk to you. So we're some of the people talking to people in that room back there. I remember this, this man come up to me and talking about where you live at his center. So we lived out at uh, Martinsville. And he said, Martinsville? So that's a long ways away. I think Martinsville was like 50 miles, but the other place was only 40 miles. And uh, he said, you drive 50 miles to a church? And I said, I'd drive from Louisville, Kentucky to be in the will of God. I said, if I lived in Louisville and this was my church, I'd drive up here from Louisville if it's my church. And you know, I, th- I think about you guys, Copies, man. Those guys drive a long ways. They've been it for lots and lots and lots of years faithful in the nursery for lots of years and all they do they've done it because they've had it in their heart this is their church yeah. and so the thing is I found out I found out long 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 time ago that I want to go where the anointing is for me yeah. you know you ever heard the expression get under the spout where the blessing pours out hey man guess what if you're in the wrong church honey it's pouring out but you got an umbrella on you it's going past you amen I heard a pastor say years ago that how they pray for their church, they pray for the ones that belong in their church can't leave. And they pray for the ones that don't belong can't stay. Amen. Amen. You know, I want to say out of all the good churches in Barstow, I know we're not the only good church. I know there's lots of mighty men and women of God in Barstow that have gifts and cause of God to help the people God sends them. And so... If you don't belong here, you need to be there. And if they don't belong there, they need to find out where they belong. Because this verse right here says, God sets each one in the church as it pleases Him. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes when God puts you in the church where it pleases Him, you're not going to like being there. You know why? Because if you're messing around, and the Holy Ghost uses the pastor to correct you, you're going to get mad. You're going to get offended. You're going broke and the pastor teaches about tithing and says, that's the reason you're broke because you steal still from God. You're going to say, I don't like that. I'm out of here. I say, well, join the other thousands that left too. I'm no better preaching than you are shouting. But you know what? When you're in the church that God wants you to be in, God will correct you. God will help you. And when you go to get corrected, you got a choice. You need to make the correction and get your life together, or you keep on run, running and keep on running away from God. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, so many things, Lord, as a pastor. I've got to stay what i got, man. i got such good stuff up here. But sometimes when you've pastored for a few years, you've got a lot of stories to tell, things you can help with. And I, th- I think that one of the most common things I've seen happen I heard a lady pastor told me years ago, she said one thing she learned in pastoring is this. Now listen to this. This is something. You ought to write this statement down because this will change your life forever. She said one thing she's learned is deceived people never know they are. People in deception don't know it. Now I said that to say this. This is not funny. It's sad what I'm going to say. I've seen this common thread for all my years of pastoring. (laughs) It's so stupid, but it's real. If the shoe fits, wear it. But change. And keep a straight face and your friends around you won't know that God's talking to you. Just keep a straight face and just do, do something like a hallelujah or something. This has actually happened so many times. Well, Pastor, we want to come in for marriage counseling. Oh, really? What's going on? Well, this is my fifth husband. He's just like the rest. I think, wow, the only common denominator here is you. They're all gone.
0: Or, Pastor,
1: I want you to pray for me about a job. This is my 15th job. 15th job in the last two years. And guess what? This boss is just like the last 15. Well, duh, you think there might be a problem with you and not the boss? You think there might be a problem with you and not the husband? And so, Christians, they'll stand in a church where the Word of God's preached, where the Holy Ghost manifests, where the pastor is not afraid to say what God gives him. You'll be corrected, you'll be changed, and guess what? No more new husbands. You'll either get the right one this time or that one will work out. And guess what? No more 15 jobs in two years because of dud bosses. You found out there's also a thing called a dud employee, and you're it. <laughs> Julie, what can I say? I talk about how Jesus taught me to pastor. Or did I say Pastor. <laughs> Amen. And so he puts each one of the church as a please help. So anyway, as a baby pastor, I want you to get this. We pioneered our first church back in November 1st, 1992. As a baby pastor in July of 1993, our church would have been eight years old then. I wanted to bring in my first guest speaker. an evangelist and his wife. But, you know, being a new church, we didn't have a lot of people we were small. And so I wanted to have a crowd... I went some people sitting there, but the guy came in. And so there was another church that had been in town for a while. I was in a little storefront church. We got some pictures I it to show them sometime. A little storefront church. And this other guy had a little storefront church from downtown Martinsville. And so I got to know this other pastor. I liked him. He liked me. We were some similar way of belief. So we got along really well. And so I, 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 I talked to him. Matter of fact, I'm still friends with him. We still talk sometimes. And so I said, I said, I said Pastor Tackett, I said, I got, I'm bringing in a guest speaker Sunday morning. And I said, I said man, I'd really like to have some people in church that day. You know, we, we had probably 40 or 50 people. I don't know, 60 people. We had some people, but I knew his was small, mine was small. So I thought, if some of his people come over to my church Sunday morning, we'll look full. And then if we take ours over to his church Sunday night, it'll bless him and his church. His people, see a lot of people in the church, you know. And so anyway, what, what I did, I had his people come over Sunday morning, had a good service. And I've talked about how God taught me about pastor. Listen to me. This is going to help you. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it helped me. And so that night we went over to his church. He'd been around a bit longer than me. And so I'm a new pastor. And something, you know, that you've got to understand, how many here know what a baby Christian is? You know, some of you are new in Christ. That, that's, not, that's not a put-down word. You've got to start somewhere. Babies are born into this world. We have two nurseries going this morning in the church. We have the infant nursery, toddler nursery. Babies are born. They don't know everything. They start growing. And so baby Christians are the same way. They're born in the family of God. They don't know a whole lot, but they start growing. Well, guess what? Pastors are baby pastors, too. They, pastors should be a mature Christian, but they're baby and pastor. They don't know anything. They've got to learn. They make mistakes. And just like baby Christians uh, do do their diapers and have to be cleaned up, well, sometimes baby pastors do do their diapers have to be cleaned up. They have to learn. Amen. And so, and so we went over to Pastor Tackett's church that night. And we're sitting there, got the guest speakers. So I'm looking around. And the majority of the people in there were actually people come to my church, being a newer church. And so I'm sitting there as a baby pastor. And I don't know a lot about anything yet. Of course, I'm like a lot of you, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> But I had to be cut down to size, so I could find out I really do nothing. And Maybe some of you are still headed there yet. I hope not, but praise God, uh, pride comes before fall. And so anyway, I'm sitting there, and on the outside, I hope I wasn't looking this way, but on the inside, I felt like this. Look at all these people And most of them's mind. and I'm thinking this guy's been doing it longer than me, and I'm in his church, and most of them's mine. <laughs> that's called pride. And so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, thought the little church, and all of a sudden, guess what? Jesus, the head of the church, rebuked me. Remember when he rebuked Peter? Well, you know what he said to me? He said this, and taught me a lesson that freed me up from fear about church growth, about people, about competition for other churches forever, he said this. I'm thinking, most of these invites said, They're all my people. None of them are yours. And he said, None of them would be here if I hadn't sent them. That's carried me all these years to High Desert Word Center. I get to High Desert Word Center. If we've got a big bunch of people here, I praise the Lord. If the crowd goes down, I praise the Lord. If somebody says, I'm going to start going to another church, I praise the Lord. Somebody comes in from somewhere, someone comes to this church, I say, praise the Lord. First Corinthians 12:18, he said, I'll send him in the church as it pleases me. And so I recognize that God has entrusted you to my care. Spiritually, I pray for you. I feed for you. I feed you. I will do your wedding if you need married. If it needs to be a funeral, we'll do the funeral. We'll dedicate your babies. We'll baptize you. We'll visit you in the hospital. We'll do everything we can to help you win in life. But I realize you belong to Jesus. He just trusted me to help you at this phase of life. And so he told me, they're all my people. None of them would be if I had to send them. And so if if, if I'm expecting a great big crowd of people on a Sunday morning, and half of you all get together or whatever you do to get together, but 50 of you miss at once, you got, what do you guys do? You got a Facebook page? somebody say, hey, let's, let's all miss today. <laughs> you, what do you do? Do you Google it or what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if, I, if I come in, if I come in and there's a whole lot of people not here, you know what I say? Praise the Lord. If Jesus sent them, they'd have been here. Amen. If we're doing things, we're expecting lots of new people to come, I don't get shook if they don't. Because God said, I'm the one that sends them. And so I trust Him for that. Amen. Does that help anybody see how this works? God's the one that does the sending. And so, I want to say this. Look at this on the screen. If you sense in your heart you belong here, you're right. Because God sent you. God sent you to High Desert Word Center to fulfill His plan and purpose for your life. God sent you here. Not so much for this church, but for your family. How many here have ever had family members get delivered from addictions because they come to this church? People have been delivered. People have been set free. How many here have ever had family members even raised off a deathbed because they came to this church? People healed because they came to this church. People got answers because they came to this church. Okay, I want to tell you again. If you sense in your heart you belong at this church, you're right. God sent you. To fulfill, number one, His plan and His purpose for your life. For your life. And then, of course, when you get helped, you want to help somebody else and then you help the church to help other people. And so, uh, God God wants to fulfill His plan and purpose to have a great spiritual impact in this region and around the world. In this region and around the world. Uh, I spent about 30 seconds on this because I'm thinking about it. Uh, I got an email from a pastor in Nicaragua a couple days ago. He wants me to teach him how to grow his church. He must be to teach him things of prayer to teach his church. But we're, they're putting together the Nicaragua, the Nicaragua trip for this year later on in the fall. Talking more about that. But we're having an impact around the world right now. We're changing people around the world, and God wants that to continue, but it happens with you, being in position, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so anyway, God wants this church to do that, and so Psalms 127.1, I want to say it again, it says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so why don't you just get it settled in your heart if God puts you here? Hook up. Grow roots. Bear fruit. I want to say it again. If God put it in your heart to be here, hook up. Grow roots. Bear fruit. And so anyway, when I started pastoring, like today, churches had prayers on their overhead projectors. Somebody said, what's the overhead projector? Oh, we didn't always have this modern stuff now. We have these little things on a cart you rolled out and you shined it up on a wall. What if you had to get your message out? And uh, and these projectors had what I called clone prayers for churches. I can't remember what they were, but they, all the churches would say the same thing. We're, we're a church of 5,000 people. We're doing, doing, doing this and changing the world and all kinds of things they had to say there. And so as a baby pastor, I did what they did. What if my church would all say the same kind of prayer thing, but I soon realized that if Jesus had a very specific plan and purpose for the ministry he called me to, that he also had specific kind of people he wanted to send me. I want to say that again. I realized that's not one size fits all. Different churches have different callings and different things, and God sends the kind of people for that ministry that he has. And so anyway, he had a specific purpose, and so, and so as, I, as I prayed and sought him about what kind of people would fit in our church to help us do what God wanted, I, I come up with some things. Number one... We're a Word of Faith church. I'm a Word of Faith pastor. And people sitting there right now have no clue what that is. And so I'll give you just a little bit of input. Write these verses down. Simply put, just write down real simple. Romans 6, Romans 10, verse 6 through 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. And in that in that passage there, the whole chapter is really good on this subject, but I was looking at that this morning. How many know who the Apostle Paul is? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. In that passage, Paul said, I'm a word-of-faith preacher. He said, I preach the word of faith. And so, and this is not putting down the other kind of churches. But for me to do what God wanted me to do, God called me to be a word-of-faith pastor in a word-of-faith church. And so simply put, Paul said he's a word-of-faith preacher be, we put what God's Word says above human reasoning and knowledge. Above human reasoning and knowledge. If 1 Peter 2, 24 says, By His stripes you were healed, we say you're healed. If Mark 16, verse 17 eight that says, Lay hands the sick, they shall recover. We say you've been prayed for, you're recovering. We put the Word... Above human reasoning. We teach the word of God above all else. If we teach the way to not be broke is break your tithe into the storehouse. According to Malachi chapter 3, we say the best way to get out of debt is become a tither. We put that above all else. We don't say, oh, we feel so far, sorry for them they can't give. Well, Jesus, in Second Corinthians chapter 9, says he will give seed to the sower. So we teach people, you pray and God will give you something to give because this is God's method, this is God's way. You give to receive. You sow to reap. This is God's way. The Word of Faith preachers teach, if the Bible says it, that settles it. If the Bible says it, that's what we do. Now, we're not legalistic where we beat people over half the Bible and say, man, you're dumb, you're a rebel, you're, you're stupid, you're dumb. We all start off as babies. We grow. And so the Bible teaches a pastor needs to feed the sheep milk, but then also work them into where they can handle the meat of the word. And so we teach people milk, we give them milk, we teach them the meat of the word. And then there comes a point in time, because in this same passage, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, says, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so people have to hear the word of God on healing to know that by his stripes I was healed. So I believe the Bible. They have to know his word on tithing. So they know, wow, I can bring my tithe in and God's going to take care of the rest. They have to know that Jesus said, love your neighbor as I has loved you. So they have to know that love never fails, but that comes by teaching. As the word of faith pastors major on the word of God, not on what man has to say they think it ought to be. We don't take a vote on it. Say, well, how many believe... That you ought to tithe. Let's take a vote on it. Well, how many believe you ought to be water baptized? We don't take a vote on it. The Bible says this so we teach it. Word of faith pastors. That passage in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10, tells you how to be born again. It says, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. It says, with your heart you believe, with your mouth you confess unto salvation, and that same principle works in every area of life. You get the Word of God in your heart on healing, you begin to believe it, you begin to talk it, the healing shows up. You get the Word of God in your heart on your marriage, and then you quit working on your husband, or you quit working on your wife, you start working on you. You start reading what the Bible says a wife ought to do, and you start acting like a Bible wife. And then your husband wants to change. Or you start reading on the Bible says about how to raise your children. And you come to find out that your children weren't the ones that fall. It was you. Because Proverbs 22 verse 6 says your children will do what they're trained to do. And so you're standing around there. Don't ever smoke. Hey man, don't, don't, don't ever drink. Don't, drink. don't drink. Don't drink. All they're doing is watching what your goofy self's doing. And then you come to find out, if I want a different response out of my kids, I change. That's what word of faith is. We teach the Bible is the law. And not as a law, as a legalistic thing that kills you, but this is the rule of law. We live by this. And you know something else? Pastor Dave hit this while ago about the snowflakes. Modern preachers, modern preachers are imitating society. I, I went to school back in the 1950s the 1960s. They didn't lower the standard because they had dumb kids. They kept the bar up and they raised the kids to come up to the bar. Now the way it is, oh, don't get in trouble. Everybody doesn't get first prize. Everybody's not the valedictorian. You have to work to get some things in life. And so... If they can't get 2 plus 2, don't change math. Teach the kids. Amen. And so society keeps lowering the bar and lowering the bar and lowering the bar to where kids get out of college and they still can't write their name. I'll tell you how I can tell the elect of my church is read your Facebook post. Which I don't do very much anymore. (laughs) But no, what I'm saying, a word of faith preacher keeps the standard high with the word of God. And instead of breaking the word down, we bring you up. Because that's what we're... So anyway, we're a word of faith church. And so when we pioneered in Indiana, Jesus told me he had a good Baptist church there. He had a good... He really told me this. He told me he had a good Methodist church had a good assembly at God church, etc., and other churches. But he said, I want a good Word of Faith church in Martinsville, Indiana, and I want you to be the pastor. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that then. And so I thought him about what kind of people to pray in. And my criteria for the kind of people for Jesus to send me is this. Number one, hungry for the Word of God. Hungry for the Word of God. Do you remember 1 Peter 2.8 says some people stumble at the Word? Some people stumble at the Word. So forbid somebody that I major on the Word of God, will you come to me, if you come to me for spiritual guidance, I can't counsel because you've got to be licensed, but I give spiritual guidance from the Bible. There's a difference. I can tell you what the Word of God says. You come to me about your children, about your marriage, about financial matters, I'll give you spiritual guidance, but I'm always going to come back to this. What does the Word say? but statistics said this and the people said this and Google said this I'll say but what does the word say but what does the word say as though some people stumble at the word some people got the goat in them you know the bible teaches about sheep, goats and wolves Jesus calls you sheep but he says there's goats anybody here ever had a goat, seen a goat know about a goat what's the main thing goats do they butt do they butt you know you know, you know you know, what somebody stumbles, the word does? Well, pastor, I know the word says I'm supposed to tithe, but. <laughs> well, pastor, I know the word says that I should be in church, not forsake the assembly, but. Well, you know, pastor, I like that sermon you preach today, but. They stumble at the word. It's always a but. It's a but. It's a but. And you know what but says? They say, you know what? I believe, I believe what the Bible says, but. You know what that word means to me? Now I'm getting to tell you what I really believe. Now you said it says this, but. And then i out here in your heart. Here's what you really believe. So you're saying, I elevated what I believe above the Bible. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Amen. And so hungry for the Word, because if I'm a Word of Faith pastor at a Word of Faith church, I'm going to teach the Word above all else. If there's going to be people that's not going to believe the Word of God, no matter what, they need to find a nice place that has it watered down to their level, and then they can come down, and then they can tell their pastor what he ought to preach. And if the pastor's not a man of God that's bold, he'll say, okay, I'll preach what you like then, so you can keep on losing. Okay, number two... Number two thing I pray for people in my church is loyal and faithful to the pastors and church family. Loyal and faithful because unity is the major key of the book of Acts. And I come to find out that if Christians are always fighting amongst themselves and wanting to fight the leadership, the church will die. And so we don't put up, we don't put up with fight and dissension in the church. And so I pray for loyal people, faithful people, and then tithers and givers. Why tithers and givers? Well, Malachi chapter 3 says that when you're a tither and bring your tithe into the local church, God opens the windows of heaven on you. And so that means that God's blessing is free to work in your life. And you get a church full of people that are walking to the blessing of God because their tithes open the windows of heaven, man, that brings anointing in. That brings power in. That brings the presence of God in. And so I want people in my church, and this, this is not saying, man, if you're a God robber, you don't want to tithe. Well, just stay that way. We're not putting down on it. I mean, that's what you want to do. But we're saying this, if you're a person that brings your tithes to Jesus, like he said, the storehouse, then the blessing's on you, and you're blessed anyway, but the full blessing's on you as a tither. And so in my church, I want people that are walking in God's blessing because the more of God's anointing is here then when people come and don't know God, then the presence of God gets on them and makes them want to change their lives. And that's what, you know, I I, I love to preach. I love to teach. But it takes more than preaching to teach it. it takes the anointing of God to service. And when people come in with that anointing on them already, that increases what we've got. I can bring in what I've got, but when people come in, that are walking in the anointing when they get here, that increases what we've got. And our whole thing is, is to help you change, but new people change. And I love it when somebody walks into this church and they say, I just felt God here today. I just felt the presence of God here. I know the Lord was here. There's something different about this place. So anyway, that, 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 that's some of my criteria, how I, how I pray for people. And then the fourth thing was this, willing to be used by God and everything gifted, called them to do right here at High Desert Word Center, and I learned that as a baby pastor too. When he taught me to pastor, we had we, we had we had some people start coming to our church that had a ministry going to other people. that wasn't hooked up with the church, so they come to our church and we got them built up strong. They never did anything in the church. that took it all out there and did things for wasn't even working for God. Really, they thought they were. But they didn't what hooked up the church, and so I decided that no matter how gifted how talented, how much experience they had, if all they ever did is come in and got fed and took it somewhere else, it wasn't helping what God wanted to do here. That's so not putting down on that. We want to feed people, but if we want to grow what God wants to do here, except the Lord built the house, the labor made the building, we want people to be willing to work right here with what God gave them. Yes. Amen. And so so that's the thing we believe there. Boy, this is the thing is just really moving along, isn't it? And so anyway... So what I learned in Indiana I brought to Barstow and I'll throw this out there in 2011 after being here since 2005 the Lord told me in 2011 said the church is now yours. It took that many years before the people here bonded with me. They caught my heart they knew my heart and they knew I had the best interest at heart and so they was hooked up. And so I want to look now at First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 we'll be winding it down. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Does this help anybody see this church? We're all about changed lives God's way. 1 Timothy 1, 18. Paul said this, This charge I commit to the son Timothy. By the way, he was the pastor of the church of Ephesus, the largest church of the world at the time. He is the pastor of the church of Ephesus. We... Got that nugget off Tony Cook, who uh, really knows the Bible history. It says, "According to the prophecies, which went before on thee, that thou by them, by the prophecies, might war a good warfare." And so he said that sometimes God has men and women called of Him of faith to speak some things out from the Holy Ghost about your life and ministry. And so Dr. Barclay, Dr. Mark T. Barclay was here on September 2nd, 2016. He's a proven prophet of God. And I want to read part of that prophecy. We got that screen flipping? Okay. That's Dr. Barclay here. It's September 2016. And you can hear the entire prophecy online if you go to the hdwc.org. It's online from September 2nd, 2016. But here's some of what Dr. Barclay by the Holy Ghost, said to this church, I declare that the church will double in size and more and more and more people will hear of it. They'll be told of it. They will dream of it. Angels will lead them to it. And a lot of you people are part of what the angels led here and what God led here. He said, I claim life over this congregation that it won't be all strangers. Some of them will be relatives. Some of them will be our friends that will come to the house of God and in their heart, they will say, and I've actually heard this said by some people the last year. Wow, this has been her all along. This is what I've been looking for. This is what my family needs right here. I've heard that time and time again since then. And so since then, this church has doubled. We now run 250, 300 people a week. Every week, as somebody says, well, I don't see that. we got two other buildings right now, stuff going on in. We got people upstairs. We got people in other buildings. We have multiple services per week. We never count our attendance a person twice in a week. We have our ushers and people watch who's here and familiar with who's here. We keep attendance. And if you come back tonight, there will probably be at least a dozen people here tonight in addition to the other people that were not here today. So, how many here is today, they'll add that 12 to that. Probably on Wednesday night, we'll have 20 or 30 in addition to that. Wednesday night that wasn't here Sunday morning or Sunday night. We'll add this to that. And so the people that are casual attenders that are part of the church but maybe only come two or three times a month, they're included in our total attendance overall. But this church right now has the neighborhood of 300 people that are part of this church right now that are somewhat active, some very active. And so since that point in time since Dr. Barclay prophesied that, church is double. It's happened. It's happened. <clears throat> and of course, you know we've greatly improved a lot, of, a lot of the property. But anyway, growing pains. Now, our next, our next level that God's put in our heart is to grow the church to four to five hundred people. God wants to do that. How many believe God's going to do that? <clears throat> Amen. And so, it would really be nice if you were part of that four to five hundred. You know, it's really sad when God grows things. He has to replace the last batch that left to grow. That's really growing. We have to replace the ones that left and do that. But God has done that, and God is doing that. So anyway, that's the direction the church is going. Changing lives. It's growing on the move. And so membership classes are Saturday, March 17th, 9 a.m. to noon. And so I want to say this. Only you know what God says to you. If God's speaking to your heart, sign up and hook up with a church that's moving forward with God. If God's talking to you, hook up. You know, it's just like a marriage. Don't just live together, get married. You know, let's come into covenant together, do this together, and uh, always check your bulletins. We have lots of small group meetings and classes for everyone. Lots of stuff going on. We have married classes, single classes. Everything you can think of is going on. Look at the bulletin for that. David, you got time to say just a couple things? Okay, I'm going to let Pastor Dave tell you about our Easter service, but as he's coming up to tell you that, please see Julie before you leave. She's going to be at the information booth, and we've got some jobs we're going to be doing around, little simple jobs to fix up and clean up the God's house and property. They would be knocked out this next week, got a work day next Saturday, but if you see Julie, then during the course of the week, you can get some things knocked out during the Get off of work and go over for an hour or two or whatever. But let's get this place fixed up, and spruced up for the spring time. But see Julie at the information booth. All
0: right.
1: All right, man. What a good what a good message we got going on here. Amen.
0: <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm gonna I'll make this really brief. Um, for our Easter service this year, you know, a lot of times I feel like we just haven't taken advantage of the opportunity that this day provides. And so this year um, we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of this. Okay. Uh, it's, it's very easy to get people to come to church on Easter. It's the, one of the easiest days of the year to get people to come to church. And we also know that the best way to get people to come to church is through the kids, right? So what we're going to do this year is um, we're going to have a, a bigger egg hunt than what we've normally had. It's going to be after the morning service. That way parents can go with the kids and everything. And, uh, and we're going to have a little bit more festivities. We're going we're gonna to have some giveaways kind of like at Harvest Fest. It won't be the level of Harvest Fest. But uh, we, I think we could safely um, bring in a, maybe 200 kids that day with family. So it would be, be a very big Sunday for us. Um, and uh, we're going to have a family photo booth where families can come and take, like in their in their dress, clothes, and get a family picture. We'll print it out, and we're going to give them um, a full family photo that they can take home. Um, that Well, they can come the next week and pick it up. So we're going to have some uh, kind of... Um, Maybe from local grocery stores have some uh, gift cards to give away to families and stuff like that. And some scooters for the kids. So, anyway, uh, it's going to be a a great service. Uh, We're going to really use it as an evangelistic tool. Um, And so, I know just Easter Sunday is the day that we want to be with our families and stuff. Uh, But I I would love everybody to help us out with this and uh, and all hands on deck. Wouldn't it be great to get some people into the kingdom of God that day? Wouldn't it be great? Amen? And so... um, we are collecting eggs very actively right now. Let me see the numbers that Leah gave me. She gave me some numbers here. But we really need lots of candy for eggs and so um I know it seems like we just did Harvest Fest uh, but come on, that was like 5 months ago now. We can do we can do this again. <laughs> so uh Harvest Fest was great this year. I forget how many of have had several thousand people attend, and it was awesome. But Leah said we need about 5,500 pieces of candy. Um, and so if you could start bringing in hard candy over the next few weeks, they can't use chocolate because it melts in the eggs out there. Yeah, it needs to fit into the eggs, so don't you know you can't get like a big, huge thing. It's going to be individually wrapped candy, hard candy that we can fit in the eggs, and we put a, a scripture in each of the eggs also, so they get candy and a scripture. And she said, I think we're shooting for around. 3,000 eggs maybe, uh, so we'll, we'll have a lot of eggs out there, we'll have a separate area for the littler kids, than one for the bigger kids, we're going to actually decorate this back parking lot uh, with a, a springtime theme, we're going to paint some of the pallets so we have spring colors, and put some bales of hay, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really decorated and neat, but uh, it's going to be awesome, we're going to have flyers over the next week to start, you can start getting those and passing them out, and I'm believing for 200 kids that day, and we'll probably have, you know, that many adults at least. So it'll be the biggest resurrection service we've ever had. And God's going to get the glory. Amen. It's going to be a great day. So let's stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.